Hi, Consensus is a political podcast hosted by seven beautiful, young, black and mixed race ladies. We discuss key policy issues from the perspective of their different political leanings. The podcast was born out of a realisation that young black electorates did not fully understand the difference between each parties. And we also realised that there was a gap in the market for young black women to voice our opinions. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. I just want you all to introduce yourselves for everyone. Okay, so hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Melissa Gordon, and I am a Liberal Democrat member and also a council candidate in the upcoming council elections. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jen Davis, and I'm a Labour member. Hello. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Aziz Minot. I'm a Green Party member and also a council candidate for the upcoming and local elections. And I work for two Green Party politicians in the London Assembly. Mm-hmm. I'm Arella Uwakoye and I'm a Labour member. Hello. Woo, woo. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Julia Ogieho and I'm a Lib Dem member and also standing in the local election. Woo! Yes, girl. <laughs> I'm Tosin. Um, I'm a Conservative Party member. I am Koyan, and I am a Conservative supporter. And guys, what we want to do is just tell you a bit about our Twitter. Mm-hmm. So we have a Twitter page, guys, and we really would like you to follow that. We'll be asking questions, so please do get involved. We'll be having polls as well. Um, our Twitter handle is at the underscore consensus underscore. We also have a hashtag, and that is hashtag consensus podcast. So please do tweet us and use our hashtag as well. I'm a prisoner of words unsaid. Today, we are going to be discussing the perceptions of political parties. As you know, there are at least There are a number of political parties in the UK and a lot of them, people have perceived them to be a way that they think is right or wrong. So we're going to discuss that and see how those perceptions have an impact on the way that people vote or choose um, to be a member of a specific party. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the Conservatives. Because obviously, you know, governing party and all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Obviously, there's the general perception that they're old white etonian upper class men and when it comes to government and what their focus is it's mainly on the economy and facts and figures and numbers and making sure everything is precise because if the economy is fine then we're all going to be fine um so what are you guys' perception of the conservatives before i got involved with in got involved with politics um is that there is a lack of empathy Mm. Yeah. So it's almost as though the Conservatives or people that are supportive of the Conservative policies believe that if you work hard, then you reap the reward for working hard. There isn't a view or they can't seem to understand how people do not do that and it's automatically because you haven't worked hard. Mm. So I think that is another perception is that a genuine lack of empathy for people that do not look or behave like them? I, was, I was just going to say, um, and also in terms of like you know the welfare, the welfare state, um, they tend to 
think that oh if we get everybody into work as you were saying Julia then that's fine but there are people who actually genuinely have like disabilities or um, have some sort of issues which prevents them from working. I think I agree with that. I think in the sense that um, conservatives, from what I believe, like the perspective of them is, is they're very much like big picture, which is why the economy is so important mm-hmm. for like as a structural foundation of a sort of successful society in their in their way. I think a lot of people who vote conservative probably pride themselves on being realists mm-hmm. and like pragmatists who don't get carried away with the emotional side of politics. Um, mm. But yeah, that's what that's what I consider like a conservative kind of perception to be. We also haven't mentioned the part of the the nasty party sort of slogan. I don't actually know where that came from, but they're that considered. Was was oh really? Yeah, yeah. she was recognizing that they had that that sort of. Uh, yeah, the image. Yeah. That was the image. I think that that, that that slogan has been going on for a long time. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been she, a while. She like sort of called it out in a conference, she, wasn't it? Back yeah, in the like, Cameron government. Yeah. Was, when they did their, the, they changed the image. Secretary. Yeah, they yeah. changed their um, the conservative changed their logo to the tree or something because they wanted to try and become more sort of like you know blue environmentalism or <laughs> those kind of. <laughs> I mean, as a conservative, you, I guys? wouldn't necessarily disagree with what you guys have said because mm. yes, I believe that if you have a strong economy, then that would be able to create jobs yeah. and create wealth and opportunities for people, and also. We also believe in personal liberty, which is that the government shouldn't necessarily be involved in people's lives. So yeah. there should be um, lower regulation, and people and sort of everyone should be looked at from um, based on their merits. Yeah. So it's not about oh, you know, I'm black or I'm a woman. It's kind of what can I do? This is what I've done in the past. Mm. This is my um, this is my CV, and this is these are my merits and my values. So. I do agree that that's how you guys see it, but I suppose um, that's fair enough. That's how some people think. So, kind of like, do you guys think that um, that society is kind of already biased? So, do 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 you, as (coughs) a conservative or conservative perception, do you consider that society at the moment is in a place where we can just look blindly at people's um, sort of like backgrounds and stuff, or do you think we need to still work to be able to get to the point where? um, Yeah, (laughs) sorry, I got you. So, people in politics, because then if I look at myself, I guess just how sort of like we as a society on the whole and I keep saying that word a lot but um, whether or not we're at the point now where we can look at everyone um, sort of like the individualism that's that's at like a heart of a lot of concern like you know yeah I think there's, there's, there is an element of that where we're now or the party is now coming to realise um, that perhaps some people are just naturally disadvantaged okay. um, but I think on the whole we do believe that you know if we have a, a a, a strong economy that creates jobs and opportunities, mm-hmm. then there shouldn't be a reason that someone who is from a black background should make to get those jobs because it's based on the merit. So if you can do the job, then you should. Whilst I do admit that yes, perhaps that's not how life actually is, but I suppose that's the conservative ideology and theory and how mm-hmm. we how we see view society. Okay, guys, so let's move on to Labour. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what are our perceptions of Labour? I mean, the standard kind of perception that people will mostly have is that Labour is... You get some money, you get some money, you get some money, you get some money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, come on. What's wrong with that? What do you think is wrong with that? free money. Yeah, what do you mean? What's wrong with dishing out money? But to be honest, I think... 
I think it's not really taken into everything. Like, we're not taking everything into consideration if we say that. It's just about giving everyone money because um, there's a criteria that follows before that can happen. Mm -hmm. It's not like everyone can just go to, like, a piggy bank and take... But that's what, what the leader basically says all the time. Like, we'll just get money for this, we'll get it from here, we're going to buy this. What's the phrase? Magic money Magic tree. Money tree. <laughs> <laughs> so Labour's usually... What is the perception of Labour, though? So it's, it's mainly the party for the ethnic minorities, for working, working class. And now, in this... Um, for the underdog. Yeah, the party for the underdog. But while we're in this... Yeah, and you sort taking out those slogans, boy. Benny, not the few. Yeah. But that is it. That is Yeah, take it from the Greens, but we'll come on to that. Okay. Oh, heavy, girl. Oh, I have to, I have to, I have to. Aziz, heavy, I'm girl. here to educate. I need to tell people what's going on in it. Open your eyes. I think also from like the last general election as well, they are now kind of seen as the party for young people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the rise mm. of momentum, etc., which we'll go into further. But what do you guys think about? It's undergone like a massive identity change in like the last two, two coming up to two and a half years. Is it since Jeremy Corbyn was elected? Because before that, they were seen as well. I guess it was Ed Miliband's leadership, and then before that, so it was like kind of the Blairite, Brownites, like centrists. The new Labour's dead. New Labour's gone. Mm -hmm. Completely gone, isn't it? It is. I, I guess the reason why we have this podcast was basically initially starting off with. You know, people, ethnic minorities think that they vote Labour. Mm. You know, don't vote Labour. It's almost like, what do you mean? Yeah. Right. You don't vote for Labour. Um, but I don't know that that perception is still the same anymore. Mm. It's, what do you mean by it's not that? So I don't know that... I think that there are a lot more people not voting yeah. Labour that are from ethnic minority backgrounds. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that might be Labour's own failing because they expect to yeah. yeah, and true. are therefore not doing anything yeah. to earn these right. votes. Yeah. So I think, yes, that is the perception, but I think that they have become a little bit complacent. Because yeah. when I'm out knock- knocking on doors, oftentimes, particularly in areas that are typically Labour, they will say, you know, no one's ever knocked on my door before. Mm. Really? I've always voted Labour. <coughs> what? I've never that's, had a Labour person knock on my door and I've lived it's, in two different yes. houses for 14 years. That's surprising wow. for me because when, I, when it comes to campaigning, I know, like, in my constituency, we're out all the time. Mm. So when I'm hearing Is some other... Is it a safe seat? Is it a safe yeah. ward? Well, mm. my wards right now, I don't know if I That's can call it. Yeah. Safe. But, but <laughs> however, however, the safe wards in um, my constituency, people still go out on the doorstep. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. In general, my constituency goes out. So when I actually hear people saying that they don't, um, Labour people don't actually knock on their doors, I'm, I'm so surprised. Yeah. But, you know, it happens. It happens. Also, um, also it's the perception, as I mentioned before, is like the party for the underdog, so the underprivileged mm-hmm. women and ethnic minorities. And actually, how true that is, I'm not so sure. I mean, yeah. this is a party that's talked about, you know, we support women, we want gender equality, but yet you've never had a female leader. Mm-hmm. And the the number of um, black women or black people in the Labour Party isn't that different from the Conservative Party that people seem to say um, don't support um, ethnic minority. So I I think that that's the perception, that's what the Labour Party perhaps used to be, Mm. but actually in reality, what I can't really see the achievements in those areas that they claim to be... You know, I, I think one of the biggest issues, and this goes for like the Conservatives as well, is that political parties now 
seem to their supporters cut from such broad churches that um, it's it's no longer sort of one political one particular belief that attracts someone to a party. It can mm-hmm. be different mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. you might join them because you like their position on the economy, or you like their position on I don't know foreign affairs, or mm. on like you know it's, it's yeah. surveillance issues. So I think that's probably also why it's difficult. Why you know variety is changing. Perhaps yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> Okay, guys, let's move on to the Lib Dems. Oh, yeah. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I come off it. <laughs> <laughs> what are our perceptions of the Lib Dems? What do middle we of the road. Middle, 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 middle. Do you know, I remember I they had... Like everyone's perked up now. Yeah. No. The part of that everyone likes to mock. But how are you? You do that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you lie. <laughs> you guys can have a field day. Go for it. Yeah, I think they're considered as the party that's like the middle of the road. They're neither, they're neither in, on the right or on the left. It's like, yeah, we're not really sure... What, their, their views are quite moderate. Yeah. Um, What's wrong with moderation? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm no, just saying no, that's no. the perception. <laughs> but, but I suppose that, sorry, to jump no, in, no. I suppose it doesn't, that doesn't grab at your emotions. No. So if you're a conservative and you feel very passionate about your personal liberty and low tax and you know, lower regulation or your labour and you're passionate about you know, the underdog, the underprivileged, that grabs at you. But if you're in the middle, you, don't really, you, can't, you don't have that emotional attachment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go on. Sorry, go on. I was just yeah. going to say. Well, from what I know, pe- people associate Lib Dems with the party that lied. Mm. So basically, especially like young people, mm. in terms of like the tuition the fees, fees, that yeah. really, really it's affected nice. the um, you it's know Lib Dems. Yeah, yeah, and I, I also feel like that um, is what made Nick Clegg lose his seat. If I'm honest with you, yeah, definitely. That really it was had university seat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's unfortunate. I think um, I think they could have moved on from that university thing. They really could have. Um, well, because obviously they were part of the coalition government, but within the the coalition government, they didn't like speak up no. a lot about the stuff that they championed. Mm, yeah. Even as a conservative, I would agree that you know the Lib Dems really championed some major yeah. achievements that David Cameron and George Osborne are now claiming. taking, yeah. yeah, claiming for themselves. But the, the Lib Dems just sort of s- sat there, and Nick Clegg didn't really speak up much, which is a shame because even they, asked that, like, yeah, what even policies, policies yeah, really, yeah, we don't really yeah. know your yeah. position. But the thing is that. that to me is so surprising it's like why they knew that they were going to sign this deal that meant that they wasn't going to have the tuition fee mm-hmm. in the way that yeah. they put out in their manifesto I don't understand why this wasn't a public announcement they must have had to sign a non-disclosure agreement to be able to even talk about it because it's like they should have got ahead of the media catching them yeah. and being like look we really really wanted this but because of the negotiations, we couldn't achieve yeah. it. And I just, it, to me, yeah. it's, still, it's still baffling. And that's, I guess, because they didn't take responsibility before mm, exactly. the wave, almost, people have, like, taken it and just run with it. Like, when, when was this? 2010? Like, yeah. Eight years ago. Now. Eight years ago. And, and people are still like, talking about it till yeah, this day. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And I suppose that's, again, I suppose you touch on it, Aziz. Um, it's the... It's the downside of being a small party because the Conservatives, the Labour's, they have the machinery. They've got yes. the press... Yeah. Um, experiences they can do that I suppose yeah. if you're a small party anyone can take advantage of you and I suppose that's what we I did I think there was like a lot of naivety yeah. and optimism mm-hmm. that when it, that, you know you look to the third, one of the first uh, public um, press conferences with David Cameron and Nick Clegg and it was like a beautiful oh, yeah. in the yeah. Rose Garden yeah. had a beautiful uh, name beginning of the relationship <laughs> young men like you know in their 40s with all the like you know this government ahead yeah, of them where they'd yeah. fix the world they'd you know save the economy 
and it just all sort of um, didn't quite come to fruition. And they kind of did, and it's a shame that the Lib Dem are not getting any credit for being part, playing, playing no. a part in terms of the economy. And instead, the Tories got a majority. Yeah, of the back of some of the work that the Lib Dems did. Yeah. I can't remember the name. Yes, the name of the Lib Dem guy that was in the Treasury. Danny um, Alexander. Yes. yes. I mean, he played a pivotal role in that yeah. in the Treasury, and they got no acknowledgement for that. Mm. Why do you think that is? Okay, I think so. A lot of that because it goes back to capacity and us being the minority in that government, yeah. mm. therefore didn't have the machinery, and there was an element of naivety there. And even Nicolae J actually since said the same thing in his book. Um, and the the Tory machine was a lot more sophisticated. Yeah. Number two. We do say all of these things. We are out there, but we live in a system where the media really do care about the two big parties. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. true. It, what goes out there is what the media choose to report. Unfortunately, yeah, the Lib Dems and members are quite known for making complaints to Ofcom on a regular basis because they just refuse to even report on anything that we're putting out there. That, I think... That's interesting. I didn't know that. It's huge. You know, when the Tories are claiming, you know, making sure that there was free school meals in schools and gay marriage and increasing the the income tax threshold, these are all lived in policies. We were a small party that managed to get 80% of our manifesto pledges inspiration yeah what party has actually done that that's phenomenal mm. you know but this is not something that is reported and everyone keeps going on about you know you went to bed with the coalition but no one talks about the mechanism and the mechanics behind yeah. that yeah we needed numbers did we want a minority government with labor no and number two labor wasn't giving us what we wanted yeah people don't talk about that you went to bed with the tories and i've had to have, have you asked yourself why we did that have you asked yourself what was an offer? It was a yeah. deal. Yeah. Right. I, see, I see the Lib Dem as a sacrificial lamb. I mean, mm. someone yeah. has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no way... I didn't feel that, you know, Gordon Brown was the person to lead us at that time in yeah. terms of the way the country was and the economy. Mm. And I suppose if the Lib Dems didn't do it, then... It's just so interesting that there's this stigma of getting into bed with Tories, but it's absolutely fine to get into bed with Labour. Like, in a hypothetical scenario, Mm. if we had gone into... If it was a Lib Lab coalition in 2015, we would probably have seen a very similar electoral (laughs) result for the Lib Dems. You can't win in a coalition when you're a smaller party in a a first-past-the-post, essentially, two-party system. It's, it's It's really savage. Okay, guys, what about the Greens? Green, green, green. Um, <laughs> Durant, <laughs> can I just say, like, <laughs> what happened the one and hipster, one party, Parker Jackson, the know, world. Like, yeah. This is like you all speak at the same time. This is crazy. Baby Charles time to speak. And now when it comes to the Green, we're like, okay, come, tell me, tell me again. So talk about the trees. Save one the world. Party, save the world. What is wrong with wanting to save the world, though, guys? Seriously, like, no joke. Wanting to save the world. What else? You said vegan. Vegan's now a trend. I'm so glad you raised that one. Because if you think about it, people used to look at it, like, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Oh, you don't want to eat animals. Oh, you don't want to wear leather, blah, blah, blah. Now veganism is a is a cross party, multi faceted, intersectional, commercialized, commercialized <laughs> trend. So 
Actually, yeah, <laughs> to be fair though, but the Greens is mainly like it's a wasted vote. Not that people don't believe yes. in their policies. It's just that it's like, okay, so if I vote for the Greens, what's what? the point? Nothing's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. There's not going to, it's not going to change anything. So why should I waste my vote on voting for the Greens? So mm. it's unfortunate in that sense, mm. but you're still kind of irrelevant. In that sense. <laughs> <way. laughs> <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, and also, I think that the, the <laughs> 20... <laughs> The twenty um what was it? The twenty fifteen election. Yeah. I mean the Greens the leader wasn't great. She really wasn't <laughs> <laughs> She really wasn't. Is I mean if we're if we're talking about being given an opportunity on a national platform and she did get loads of them. Uh, you know, she got that debate with Ed, yeah. David Cameron and Nicola Sturgeon and she was screaming at Ed Miliband, It's my turn to speak now. You don't do that in a boardroom. I mean, come on. If she's going to be prime minister, Honestly. I don't expect her to do that at the UN. Okay. You won't see Theresa May going like shouting at somebody like that. No matter what people say, you've got to keep your composure because you are the one that people are looking at it's to true. be the prime minister. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, you might say that it's she's human and when she messed up that radio um, interview, but we don't expect humans to be our prime minister we expect this robotic weird people who should know exactly what we're feeling at all times Mm -hmm. and who should have the answers whether or not that's right but that's what we expect from our politicians and that was lacking yeah people like from the thick of it and it's like people don't want their politicians to be comfortable they don't want them to be happy they don't want them to enjoy life they want them to be like you know nose to the grind miserable and don't get paid anything that's the ideal that's the ideal that's That's what people want from their politicians but also somehow still cool like they also, expect yeah. you to be able to fist bump, to know grime, to but to not know grime as well because they are trying too yeah, hard. Too hard. Can I just say possible Barack Obama? That's different. The exception, <laughs> the exception makes you <laughs> and also, he was
are really ambitious mm. that, that really change mm. stuff not tinkering with the edges yeah. and we're talking about a wasted vote it's so depressing that us women are sitting here in politics talking about wasted vote living in a, a democracy like living in a 21st century serious country that's just moving stuff and controlling the world but essentially we can't even have a fair voting system and mm. not recognise that essentially we should have more proportional representation mm. across the platform so that people can feel like their vote is not wasted yeah. like how can that mm. even be a part of our vocabulary today that's, mm. I suppose that's the, that's the benefit of this podcast to be able to bring to light these issues and what the Green Party actually stands for make people think differently about the minority parties like mm. the Lib Dems because it's just so it's all about the Tories and uh, Labour but yeah. I think that's why it's important to have you know people like Aziz yeah. um, Julia and um, Mel Mm. Well, thank, thank you for that, for accepting us. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I have spoken. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, and I think just lastly on that whole point about Greens, is there's so they have so many different politicians. Yes, we have only one MP, but we have um, members of European Parliament. We have over 175 councillors and we also have like a baroness that's been elected four councillors in london and two green london assembly members who are making a difference although they're a minority so my question really goes back to the bigger parties like if you're so big and you have so much money um, people power why are you not doing more to try and change the, the society that we have we really should be well advanced in terms of like environmental issues one but also sort of like the way we think about our society and the way we treat each other so mm. yeah you should be doing more basically okay who's you, you, you lot well, labor and, and conservatives, conservatives. we should discuss UKIP as well oh, yeah. I know that UKIP now has become <coughs> rather irrelevant mm-hmm. um, they didn't exist during from from before mm. from Brexit until now even before then they were a party that I mean UKIP is the reason we had the referendum mm. because Uh-oh. David Cameron mm. and uh, was very nervous that because um, he, he saw some people defecting and the fact that you know loads of conservatives in the suburbs were voting UKIP um, and the 2014 mm. election, local election, mm. UKIP did amazingly mm. well, I mean in Bexley where I live we had around three or four UKIP oh, councillors wow. elected, uh, which meant that you know, they be, couldn't be elected because UKIP took those yeah. votes um, so yeah, I suppose they were a threat Yeah, but even now, they've, I think they've got way less councillors yeah. I think it's like 75% less than they had like four yeah. years ago yeah. so if I, if and lost control of their only council as well. Yeah. Mm. So essentially, are they were they just seen as a one party? They're the real issue party. Yeah, they're yeah. so yeah. difficult to sustain. I think, yeah, I think. Or is it because they're a small party that they don't have the machinery? No, no, no. They what? had a lot of money. They had the, 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 the likes of Aaron Banks, who's a millionaire, supporting yeah. them. They had big Tory um, donors who were supporting UKIP. But I think why I think I think they started off as a one party part. Um, one issue party but then they were because of the leader that they had and I know we're mm. going to leaders soon um, it became sort of 
an underdog party um, in the sense that UKIP was seen as fighting for the working class. Mm, um, yeah. And I think that when the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn changed and became that back to that grassroots party, a lot of those voters when, went to the Labour Party. Yeah, specify than, something. Mean, yeah. white the white working class. White working class, yeah. class sorry. Right. The white working class. Yeah. Because most of them were white well, working yeah. class, yeah. Um, that's the, the I think, the um, mistake that lots of journalists made, thinking that those those voters were actually conservatives mm. um, which they might have been they might, there actually, were definitely yeah. some yeah, um, a lot of conservatives who were angry at what the government was saying about Brexit were saying that oh okay so I'm I'm angry about what you're saying about Brexit so I'm going to vote for UKIP yeah, yeah and that's like, there were a lot of people like that on the doorstep as well and that's like even with Labour as well because at the time of Brexit Labour didn't have a clear line, line yeah. um, about you know if we were for if we were um Pardon? Did. I guess. No, we didn't. No, no they didn't have a clear. Jeremy Corbyn. They had no we clear vision. Of we never had no clear vision of what we wanted to do. There. So that's why like. there was a lot of split between the party, mm. and then a lot of we did have a lot of voters who also said that they were going to vote for UKIP because a lot of them wanted to. Um, sorry, a lot of them wanted to um, vote for um, wanted us to leave. Yes, there were like Kate Hoey, the Labour MP for Vauxhall, shared a platform with um, Nigel Farage and other yeah. prominent Brexiteers. They had Chuka saying as well the second reference. So there was a, there was yeah, a big divide within yeah. yeah, and then the eventually party. we kind of had a line but it was still a bit mixed because mm. people, were, I think um, there was someone, Jeremy Corbyn was asked uh, um, where, where do you stand? And he's like, I think he said like 70% he was um, um, 70% um, yeah. he wanted to stay but you know but oh, Jeremy Corbyn's a Brexiteer yeah but then yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. when but that's the thing because the Labour's party line yeah, is yeah, for yeah. us that's to stay the, in yeah. you know he had to kind of like change his values a little bit to mm-hmm. well, he's not, played he the smartest game out of them all he's, he's emerged with his job still intact yeah. Yeah, which other leaders God, from the time yeah. of the referendum haven't done he's like mm-hmm. really played the game incredibly cl- smartly yeah. I think and I think a lot of the time um, also quite a lot of his um, supporters are ha- very happy to turn a blind eye to um, his ambivalence on Brexit. We would like to know what your perceptions are of political parties, um, so please do contact us on our Twitter page. Um, so tweet us at the underscore consensus underscore or use our hashtag consensus podcast do you agree with our perceptions or do you disagree with them please do let us know so like we were saying before leaders can have a major impact on the perception of a party so I think we should go into the leaders and how they shape the party. Who should we start with? Theresa May. No, let's talk about Greens. We're leading the way in terms of of leadership. Are we? Are we? actually do he's not got elected office oh, he's, he's he's just what? <laughs> <laughs> to become a no, but my point is so when so let's say sorry just to be clear we have a co-leadership so we have two people um standing to be the prime ministers of the country should we win essentially right. so why would you have two prime ministers then so how, no, how, 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 how do you explain so hold on so hold on 
So first of all, I'm only going to talk about the leadership part because I don't know the details of what would happen if okay. a gut, like if we won yeah. and what would happen okay, in that right. in that regard. But I think having co-leaders for a smaller political party, actually for any political party, a man and a woman as well, shows great strength and unity because to to run a party is not easy. Mm-hmm. To be the forefront of a, of a of a political party and be someone really championing and talking about the values isn't easy. And Caroline Lucas has done it for a number of years and has won awards after awards for her valiant effort and the great things that she does. However, she's the only MP in um, of the Green Party in Parliament. Mm-hmm. So I think having somebody else there as well to also build their profile, I think it was a, is a great initiative. And also to show that... You know, politics should include more than one per- person. Um, it was only back in the 2015 election that two people wanted to stand in one constituency, but because one had disability issues and the other person had um, caring issues, they had to. They came together basically and tried to do job share for MPs, mm. and that's a great initiative. Although it didn't pass, and the government said, "Okay, look, maybe we'll look into doing this." Yeah. I think showing that politics is for the people and includes more than one person, I think is a great way of putting more than one head together to create the best outcome for society. Mm. Um, And that should be replicated not only in just leadership for the party, but also how government is made up, like coalitions and, yeah, stuff like that. Okay. Hmm. So that's all. I think... think I think it's great, but um, <laughs> she says she thinks it's, it's great, great with her face, face in it. Like, like, her face, like, but wow. I'm gonna let you finish. It. It's a practicality. I'm gonna let you finish. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean the practicality of it, and secondly. I think that parties... I don't think that parties are run by one person anyway. Mm, As you've seen by the Labour Party, if it was by one person, Joe McCordin wouldn't be there right now. Mm. But I think that generally leaders have their own sort of group of people who think like them. Mm. And maybe it's good that you have two people in the forefront to make people remember that, you know, it's not just one person. Mm. But I don't think that it's sort of fair to assume that the other parties are run by one person with one sort of idea of how they view society. But the whole of the 2017 campaign was based on Jeremy Corbyn versus Theresa May. Who do you think would be able to lead the country better? That's the media. I'm conservative because you lot were kind of okay. So, the, but it's the media, and that's how, that's the way our uncodified uh, constitution works. We vote for one person, and usually the leader will have a vision of how they see um, society under their leadership. But they'll have other people around them who yes. will sort of form the basis of I the mean, policies and. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in quite a lot of the parties, um, the lead people, the politicians who are the leader of the party, will also sit on different committees and different boards, mm-hmm. which feed into how um, decision decisions decisions are made. So each party's structure is different, but they generally all seem to have like a board yeah. or an executive committee, yeah. and then you'll have someone there who liaises, is, who chairs that. That might be the political party leader, or it might be someone else, mm. um, and and you know their influence is. Is incredible. Like you see, um, the internal party struggles and all that stuff, mm. and it's like who's the who's who of sort of nerdy local, yeah. like intense politics is whoever's mm. in, you know in one place has you know influence over the leader of the direction of the party and so forth. I guess. So, what impact do we think that these leaders have had on the party at the moment? So, if we talk about Jeremy Corbyn, for example, mm. what impact has that had on the Labour Party and where it currently is at the moment? Is it having a positive impact on the party, or is it a negative impact? Has he 
what has he done to has he changed the perception of labor i think Depends we had, who you talk to i guess sorry i think we had like a wave um in transition between positive and negative but we had negative first and I think it had a lot to do with um, Jeremy Corbyn's silence and his lack of position in the beginning. Nobody really knew where he stood, his opinion. We kind of didn't really know where he was going with everything. And then it got to a point where he began to lose people in his party because of it. Mm. And then it got to a point where I think, I don't know what happened to Jeremy. <laughs> had a dream, perhaps, I don't know. But <laughs> Then we saw him kind of take a stand, be more confident in his, his position, and then we saw that, I think, following his confidence, people then began to develop a belief in him as a leader, and that had more of a positive impact, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that had a positive mm-hmm. impact on the party, um, the perception of the party. Even people that weren't Labour Party supporters began to respect Labour more. We saw mm-hmm. that as well. So Maybe not that one, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not you, but I saw that. Yeah. Okay, Jen? Yeah, so for me, I felt like... Um, in the beginning, what it was, it was split. So there was pe- there were people who were Labour members, but they were sent more to the centre, mm. and there were people who were more to the left. So the people who were more to the centre were not receiving Jeremy Corbyn. Mm, like, yeah. less, they were not receiving him. People on the left, they were happy. So you know, out of um, Jeremy Corbyn's campaign, birthed the momentum, etc. So you know, and the values that momentum had at the time people really championed it. So a lot of people joined Momentum, which which then made them join the Labour Party. Um, and then, um, obviously, the whole Brexit issue happened. That caused more infighting. And then I think after the general election, we kind of unified a little bit. Um, we did. A little bit. She said a little bit. bit. People were more quiet, were more on the low about how they really felt about Jeremy Corbyn and... Um, you know, his leadership. And then, I don't know what happened, all of a sudden... So do we think <coughs> the voters, when it comes to... Do you think it's more Jeremy than the Labour Party or, or and their policies, especially in the last general election, and for young pe- young voters? Do we feel what? That it was Jeremy instead of the Labour manifesto or the Labour Party. Was Jeremy at the forefront? Because see, how, see the rise of young yeah, people... I- flooding towards him. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a what bit was of, that? What I was it because of him as a I person? Think bit, I think it was a bit of both. Yeah. So for like a, even a lot of people in the centre of the party, they really liked the manifesto. So I think there's that and then also with Jeremy Corbyn, a lot of people have looked at his past mm-hmm. and about the, the issues that he's championed and he's always been the person to champion, you know, like um racism. Sorry, I don't like him. Because, That's your own wait, can, can, I, can I explain why? why because why I think he he wants people, he wants his party to gel and he wants his party to support him. But he never supported the previous Labour Party leaders. So I don't expect why, mm. I don't understand why he's expecting that sort of loyalty when he was never loyal to the party himself. Mm. Um, I think, anti- I mean, when everyone says that these values, then how? He's very passionate. Then maybe Shukumuna is passionate. Why, can't, why is his um, passion sort of more important than Chukas? I think this idea that he expects or his, or his um, people around him expect everyone to be loyal to him is really hypocritical because he was never that person. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, on the passion point, I think he's, what makes him different from Chukka is that there's an element of pride in that he's passionate but he's got so much pride so he will never back down. And I mm. think that is Jeremy. Jeremy. And I think that is an element of danger in there because he doesn't understand compromise. It's mm. my way mm. 
or, or the highway. Or Absolutely. I mean, he divorced his wife because um, she <laughs> she wanted to go. They wanted the child to go to select for school, and he didn't. Okay, so. Um, just going back to what you said about Chuka, um, mm-hmm. the difference between Chuka and um, Jeremy, I think in terms of Chuka as well, um, Chuka isn't really set in his way. So Chuka is who he needs to be when he feels he needs to be that person, yeah. if I'm making yeah. sense. Yeah. But I need to say it in a way that it sounds politically <laughs> correct. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time, yes, we don't we don't want to say that, you know, the face of the leader or how we perceive the leader of a party to be has an impact on how we relate to the party and how we choose to kind of go forth or choose not to go forth with the party. But it does have a big part to play because if I don't feel as though I can rely on my leader to be consistent, then how can I rely on him as a leader? Mm. So I think in terms of I, I think in terms of that I think it's even a very unfair comparison to make. I it was just, and it was just it, I didn't I necessarily mean that. I just meant you know Chuka was you know he's I understand, been leading the central part. I'm not necessarily talking yeah. about him, but it was just um, yeah. But Mel, yeah. Sorry, I think when it, sorry I'm actually gonna I can't believe I'm gonna slightly come to the fence. I feel I was a bit mean. I'm sorry, but <laughs> he's had he has a really strong mandate, mm. and I think that's where his like the sort of legitimacy of him demanding loyalty or his team demanding loyalty comes from. He's yeah. he was elected leader against all odds mm. he was and then and then you know he fought off a challenge I'm sorry De- um, D- Tony Blair had a mandate from the electorate but Devin McCorby never supported him so I don't I, I just and don't yeah, see yeah. it I don't and you know, and it, you know yeah, he does he, it's yeah but he still has like you know it's a broad church the Labour Party is a very broad church and he does sometimes I think overstep his mark like when Owen Smith um, suggested a second referendum and he was axed from the front bench despite yeah. doing a very good job being the shadow Northern Ireland secretary um, but I think, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying I totally believe it, but he, yeah. in, it, the argument would be that his mandate is, like, reinforced by seeing off, by seeing off a challenge and then gaining seats at a general election when, you know, when, when, when it, the election was called, it looked like, you know, they were going to get decimated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a validity in that, perhaps. we have anything that you don't understand if we're speaking in jargon and you want us to explain that please do let us know on our twitter page we'll also do our best to quote everything that we have um, spoken about as well but if we miss anything do let us know and we will explain what it is um let's talk about theresa may guys Mm-hmm. The Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. We can always say that she's but barely the Prime Minister. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a, a matter of when someone better comes along. It's sort of like the Hunger Games for me. You know, she she happened to be the one who survived, and then she was like, oh no, now I've got to lead people through some sort of moment of talk turmoil. <laughs> when really all she wants to do is just live in a nice house somewhere with Philip. I don't know. Come on. Come on. She found herself in this position when no other, person, <laughs> no other person 
was ready to stand up and be a leader in oh this Brexit gosh. period that we're in, and she was the one I, that put herself yeah, in this position. Do you know what? She's and been working on this for a long time, for for a very long time. I mean, I remember when we were talking about the, the referendum was going on, and she made her speech where she wore this. I remember this this tattered um, suit, trousers, white shirt. When I saw that, that I said to myself, "This woman is." She well. changed her hair as well, which is something about appearance. And I said at that point, "This woman is ready. Is getting it's ready." Yes. Yeah. And she's already she's the idea that she she just happened to be the person. I think it's unfortunate that we had such a big issue at the time, mm. but I think she's been working on being prime minister for a very very, very long time. She had a hard job of running like being home secretary basically. Mm. She was the longest standing. That was the longest standing yeah. home, like she made some serious decisions. So and that's a tough job like no one mm. wants no. that role. Yeah. So what do you all think of her? I. Wow. She's directing wow. that to uh, conservative. Uh, did she, did she say it with her kitten heels? <laughs> say it with your chest. This Wait, time. I said with her leopard pink kitten. Sorry, but her leopard kitten heels are more expensive than anything you're wearing right Wait, now. Wait, oh, what? They're what? They're what? women on this political podcast first of all to even call out her outfit is wrong yeah. no, 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 no. let me tell you why let me tell you why we have just spoken about diff- yeah but we have spoken about different political leaders and that some have been men and we've not addressed their clothes this I'm is just going to say though about Jeremy Corbyn and how I think her kittens was like you I get the point <laughs> that you're making yeah so I think well, I, the reason why well, I mentioned the way she looked is because appearance is a big part. It of doesn't matter. Why are we only mentioning in terms of women well, though? Because hers was the the, the change was more dramatic. Well, Jeremy Corbyn hasn't changed in his look. He has. 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 In newspapers, they were always saying, "Look at Jeremy Corbyn. He looks so rugged. He looks like this. He doesn't look president. He doesn't look presidential. That's what they wanted to. Yeah, he doesn't look like a leader. He doesn't look like he. And then all of a sudden, he started wearing suits. Imagine to David Cameron. When Theresa May was um, prime minister, saying that, "Look at look at David Cameron. Look at the way he was dressed, and look at how Jeremy is dressing." I think it's important. Yeah, to talk about Theresa May's fashion because it is something that she really enjoys. She is a bit of a fashionista, and you know, she's able to maintain that sort of femininity. And not compromise it by being, you know, in a very masculine, masculine environment. Yeah, but she's, she's held on to that. So I think by talking about her her amazing tartan suit, we're kind of celebrating that she's held on to being, you know, herself. Who she is. Yeah. Remember the um, daily was it the Daily Mail article where they had her and Nicola Sturgeon with their like legs out and it was yeah. legs it, not le- Brexit. Yeah. Forget Brexit. Yeah. Well, that's the, the yeah, media are terrible. Yeah, but what did you think? Talk. What did you think about? that what the focus being on their legs so I'm saying, that's what can I just say I think I think we're being very contradictory as women mm-hmm. I know that yeah we're not talking about Theresa May's um, fashion in a negative way per se but it is true we have been speaking about male leaders and not once have we actually felt the need to highlight the fact that they wear kitten heels or yeah. they wore a blazer or I think you're taking my point out of context I said I knew that she wanted to be prime minister I'm referring okay. to how easy it was for us to transcend into that that parameter of how she looks because mm-hmm. she's a female leader yeah. and it kind of highlights what we talk about almost on a day-to-day basis how different the standard is for you as a woman in yeah. politics mm-hmm. and across the board mm-hmm. right. That's true. we've actually just demonstrated it not knowing that we actually yeah. have yeah. and even as a conservative what I think of Theresa May I think 
I'm not necessarily a big fan of hers in terms of her ideology and where she stands um, and where she stands in the party. However, I do admire her because I think that she's a a very very strong individual. I, I mean, to have to take on the mantle at that point mm. in the party when everything was crazy yeah. and then carry mm. on in call a general election, made a wrong decision but she still, like, managed to win, and yeah. she still carried on. Yeah. Like, she didn't think for a minute, oh, do you know what, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. She carried on and, and is still carrying on, whether yeah. or not, you know, someone might say she's barely hanging on. She's still the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, yeah. Yeah. and that is even without her party support most of the time. Mm. And that is having a general election when we went through a great time of national crisis. We had four terrorist attacks. She was still- expected to go there and cry, and because she didn't cry, that was such a big deal mm. Because she wasn't, you know, that emotional woman, woman that we yeah. expect her yeah. to be. But then Jeremy Corbyn goes there, but no one expects him to cry. Yes, that's just who he is. If he's, you know, a loving person, a welcome person, that is who he is. You can't take away someone's personality yeah. um, from and who they are. As long as she does the job that she's elected to do, that's she's why, why, why are we expecting more uh, from her in yeah. terms of we want to know what what's in your head? You know, what is the naughtiest thing you've ever done? Why is that your business? How yeah. does that what, what does that have to do with the economy? We just want her to do a job, but because she's a woman, we expect more from her. We expect her to be this, you know, this perfect, all-round, well-rounded woman. Mm -hmm. What about the Lib Dems? So Tim Farron is clearly a principled man. I love I pers- as a Liverpool, I, I love I, I love Tim. Perry. What do you mean by principle? He stuck to his guns about certain. Well, okay, okay, no, no, no. Let me start again. He has a, be- a particular belief that, as a Christian, he believes in. Do I agree yeah. with it? No, but he, you know, he. It was very difficult, I think, for him, and he had poor advisors. I would say he should have just really got it off his chest and been upfront about it. What are you talking about specifically? His oh, sorry, um, for the, his his position regarding uh, gay marriage. Okay. Um, so it came to light that he may have held some views that would be sort of uh, antithetical to like the sort of liberal democrat position on gay marriage seeing as we were the architects of that in coalition um, yeah so sorry Morella sorry um, just going back to what you said about his belief um, I think what you said kind of makes me feel the need to kind of highlight this particular issue um, he was asked that question because he was a Christian. Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Nobody has asked Sadiq Khan what his mm-hmm. stand is on homosexual marriage. He's not a Christian. Yeah. He's no, a, they have. Wait, they have. Yeah, but they, they do. So, um, yeah, he's, they he's openly like a supporter of LGBT. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, there are going to be other no, politicians. But, but, in but this is the thing. Major, majority. Most. Of what I'm trying to say is, a lot of the time, when you are a Christian, and you're in politics. The standards. The standards for you are different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That. That's the only truth. You can't. You can't be a Christian the way you feel you need to be in your belief completely in politics. Most of the time, I kind of feel as though, like, if we're actually being honest about it, him saying that and what he actually identifies as, as his religion are contradictory. Yeah. Are very contradictory, I, but... But by his vote, sorry. His but you, no, it's fine, but you, it's, it's very contradictory. So even that in itself, it speaks another language. It, it, it does tell us that when it comes to your beliefs in politics, you can't really be yourself. Mm. But then what about Jacob Rees-Mogg, though? Okay, let's go back to the Lib Dems. There was one particular bit that Tim Farron, despite his views, he was the leader of a political party that made gay marriage happen. 
you know, he, despite his belief, yeah. he was never in mm. his place. Mm. You know, is that is good? The same goes. I may not agree with you, but I will fight for your right to yeah. have that yeah. right. Yeah. His track record as a politician, um, he's never. This is what I mean. So it's almost a bit like there's the private a, sphere it, and there's the public sphere. Yeah. Yeah. People are allowed to have a private life and private beliefs, but True. when they go out to their day job, it's how they represent their constituencies that we should be holding. That's what we hold our politicians yeah. to account on. Precisely. Mm. And I think he did that pretty well as leader of the party. So do you feel like, you know, the question that they asked him was unfair? Do you feel like, I'm asked this attack? I think the way they framed it and then it was subsequently treated was really unfair. It wasn't once, it wasn't twice. It was not even That's what it was. was. At the same time, he should have answered that question immediately. That was my point. That should have had a position ready before he even... He knew this. So, yes, it was unfair, but at the same time, he really should have, he shouldn't have even stood for that position if he was going to have difficulty oh. answering that question. Mm. Because not only mm. did it affect us as a party, it also affect a significant proportion of members yes. who were not oh, happy with his yeah. views. So, yeah. Okay, so now Very that you are, so now that Vince Cable is the leader, what has progressed from Tim to Vince? What? How has he influenced and impacted the Lib Dems? Because people did not take Tim Farron as seriously. Um, The media, despite, you know, initially, it was quite interesting, it was like, Vince is old, Mm. why should he lead a party like the Lib Dems? But at the same time, a lot of the things that he has been saying are what you would expect from, you know, quote, a young politician. You know, he's been quite honest and honest and be quite clear on our position on Brexit and how we've messed up young people. Um, the media are listening to him a lot more. Mm. He's um, very credible. Like, yeah. 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 He's respected amongst yeah. yeah. cross party yeah, politicians. Exactly the word. It's, it's he is really respected. So yeah. But what is that? But what is that going to do for the party? Because yeah. how does that translate point. to yeah, people? To the elect- I was exactly going to pick up that point because I feel like just like he's perhaps just missed the time like his time when he was in the coalition government mm. and he had such a strong voice and mm. people saw him regularly and I think having that taking that break away from parliament and then coming back as leader I, I just don't think that it was perhaps the best thing yeah. for the Lib Dems Although you can put the question, you know, who else should have been the leader of Lord yeah. And maybe he, he did know. do lose his seat. He did do yeah. that, which is, yeah. uh, you know, does make it a bit difficult. Difficult, yeah. Mm. I, I think, mean, I think overall, Lib Dems, the leader now or a new one, just needs a revival. Like there needs to be something that's really that clear I, about yeah. what yeah. you stand for, where yeah. you, where your position is, because. And I think this has happened as a result of um, the rise of Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. Smaller groups like Greens and Lib Dems have been squeezed because yeah. they see a lot of mm. policies that, that the Labour Party are now picking up mm. as ones that were in the Lib Dems manifesto, mm. were in the Greens, that they've been absorbed into bigger parties where yeah. the first-past-the-post first past system supports mm. them. Do you know what I mean? So it helps to keep that momentum of the, just the two big parties like dominating politics. And I think overall, like, there's so many different perceptions of different political parties but essentially politics is just seems as a depressing sort of place right. and a bubble yeah. and a grey bubble that not many people can penetrate right. so yeah I think 
if we're talking about perceptions, that's that's politics and yeah. that's leaders and that's political parties. But essentially, we need to ch- start changing that shift, that and shift. hence why mm-hmm. yeah. this podcast is trying to do that, like to talk about our views and why we're so invested and why we care about politics and why we really want to try and shape and change yes, society. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a prisoner of words unsaid. Okay, guys, that's us done for this week's episode of Consensus. Already? Yeah. We've been here for a while, girl. (laughs) We could actually go on, which is really good. We will go on. Check out the other seasons. The other episodes, sorry. But I really do hope you enjoyed listening. Please do follow us on Twitter. Um, Once again, I'll just plug our hashtag, um, our Twitter. It's at underscore at the sorry underscore consensus underscore and our hashtag is consensus podcast we will also be uploading a poll please do um answer that that's just gonna see if you agree with the perceptions of political parties and what and kind of show us what way you're kind of leaning with regards to political parties so that's us done for this episode bye guys bye myself.